0: What's up, everybody? How y'all doing today? Um, We're talking about the instructional design portfolio today. Um, And uh, yeah, I just want to, you know, talk a little bit about the portfolio, the importance of it. um, Some of the things I experienced in the field as a when I first graduated from my master's degree in ID to what I've seen happen over the last 17 years to now actually hiring people in that position and being able to look and, you know, what do I expect out of a portfolio and how important is it? All right. Um, So let's start out with portfolio has become this thing in instructional design that is now, you know, one of the most important aspects of hiring someone. Um, You know, I've been talking to a significant amount of companies um, ranging from You know, the FANG, which is like, you know, Google, Amazon, Netflix, like top tech companies, Fortune to smaller firms to even like, you know, a small consulting firm like I run, which I run a small consulting firm. So, you know, I've been, you know, dealing with the portfolio for a long time. So let's talk about the importance of it. What do I expect to see in a portfolio and how it can help you or hurt you find a job? Um, And I want to talk about some of the drawbacks and disadvantages of a portfolio as well. So let's talk about, let me start with when I graduated from my master's program. Now remember, I graduated in 2003 and a lot has changed in the field in a sense in that. So when I graduated, there was people didn't put together a portfolio. Um, I was probably the only student in my graduate program that had a portfolio. I had actually had two portfolios. I had a CD, like a disc, a DVD actually, I guess, um, that I would send to companies or attach with my resume. I had a, and I would also email that version along with them. I had it up on the web, on my website. And then I had a binder that had screenshots of all the different stuff that I had done so that when I actually went into an interview, you know, cause sometimes you go into an interview and you're in like an HR room or something like that. And there just isn't a computer there. Um, you know, you're just at like a desk or even a lunch or something like that. And I could give them my binder and they could flip through and kind of see all the work that they had done. Um, so did that help me find a job? Well, let me put it this way. So, um, I had several companies who were giving me offers because of my portfolio. They said that I seemed extra motivated because I was one of the only students who was graduating at the time with one. And they saw all the different projects that I had done because I had done so much work for so many clients as a student. I was out there seeking freelance work and doing a lot of ID work for my university. So I had all these, you know, pieces of training that I had developed. I had all these websites and graphics and all this cool different stuff that I had developed and I had examples of, you know, me developing in PowerPoint, Flash, Director, Authorware, Toolbook, HTML. You know, those were all the development tools at the time when I was a, uh, a newly minted instructional designer. Um, so that was kind of cool and I, I was glad to, to see all of that and have that happen. Um, but let's talk about kind of the, how that's transitioned and where I've seen the portfolio go. What, what does my current portfolio look like when, that I use? Now remember, like I'm a I'm a, I run a I'm a, obviously a professor and I run a consulting firm, but when I go to clients, I need to show them my consulting firms work. Um, so I'll talk about what I actually do when I do that. All right, so portfolio in general. So right now in the field, It's pretty much expected that you have a portfolio. Um, It is, you know, as I said, every employer looks for it and they want to know, they want to see it. You know, I go on any forum like LinkedIn, Reddit, or anywhere in the ID section, and everyone's like, for a job, you got to have a portfolio. You got to have a portfolio. Um, Let me talk about, (laughs) let me actually start with one of the downfalls of that. Um, So here's my take as a, Someone who runs a consulting firm. I need to see that someone can develop and articulate or captivate. Probably both because we use both all all the time in our projects. And we're doing a lot with Articulate Rise right now. Um, But all of those pieces of software are pretty easy to use in that, you know, we're talking about a software that's just a little harder than PowerPoint. Um, So if I can see... In their portfolio, or even just on their resume, that they have experience with Articulate and Captivate. That's all I really care about because I can t- I tell them what I want them to develop when they're working on these projects. I do like to see an example of something they put together, even if it's just a couple screenshots, um, just so I know they can actually do it. But I'm not so like I don't expect this portfolio to have like all these projects, and I have to go through it and. Stuff like that. It doesn't need to be extensive, you know. That's, I guess, that's the one interesting thing I find about the portfolio, is that a portfolio of it for instructional designers does not need to have three thousand projects in it. I, I can have a couple screenshots, and I'll give you an example. Let me tell you what my uh, consulting firm uses for our portfolio. What, what ours actually consists of. So, our portfolio actually consists of. So, first of all. Um, we have a website where they can go to and look at some sample stuff. Um, But when I actually meet with a client, if they wanna take a look at my portfolio, it's actually just like four or five screenshots and that's it. It's just a couple screenshots showing them. And each screen is like, one example screenshot is like mobile-based training. And it shows some like two or three screenshots of mobile-based training. Another one is like instructor-led. Where I I talk about like I have some screenshots of like, you know, an instructor guidebook, student handbook, job aid, that kind of stuff. Um, I have another PowerPoint screen that has a picture of, you know, like articulate, captivate, like normal computer-based training. Then I have a screen that's game-based learning and shows a picture of a game we've developed. And then I have a picture, another screen that is video-based training where I have like two or three screenshots of video-based training. That's all my portfolio is. I don't allow them to access any, like they're not allowed to go in any of those training programs. you got to remember. So when you have a portfolio, if you're showing me stuff that you've developed at another company, I'm going to be concerned because you don't own that stuff and you can't show other people it. Um, So I don't expect people to go out and just develop like nonsense stuff that is meaningless that they've like developed on like a topic they found interesting and send that to me. Send me a couple screenshots of stuff you've developed from various real clients. Just take out there a shot that has no identifying information on it of their company, just so I can see that you can develop. That's all I really need to see for your development skills. The rest of what I care about is that you can actually be an instructional designer. I can tell right away in five minutes of an interview whether you can design and whether you can develop. It's so easy to tell. For that portfolio section, I just need to see that you've you've put some stuff together. You know, it's super important to have it, but it's not the be-all, end-all. The be-all, end-all is that conversation I have with you. You know, you can send me a great portfolio and I can talk to you in five minutes and realize you didn't build it or I don't want you to work with me, so... You know, you've got to be able to, it's more than that, you know? So I, I want to stress the importance of that. But I also want to say like, you know, the portfolio, I think some people picture that they need to have like this 15 projects all built out like these, I don't know, minute to hour long trainings in this portfolio. That's not what an ID portfolio needs to be whatsoever. As I said, I have a PowerPoint with its five screens that has pictures of different things i put together. And that's all I need to do. That gets me clients. Clients love that. Now, let me talk about what happens after I send that to a client and we meet with them. So usually a client will say to me, hey, you know, and this is in the process of getting a proposal, so I don't have the work yet, but they'll say, you know, we really want a tutorial that walks through a piece of software. Um, that, you know, that um, I'm, we're still in this like analysis phase, right, where I'm trying to figure out what they need, what their problem is. But they're also, I don't have the work yet, so I need to, I'm still selling them my company, right? So at that point, I will say to them, let me show you an example of a software simulation training that I've developed before and walk them through it. I tell them it can't be recorded and I'll walk them through something that we have developed before. So... I have a website that, so let's talk about, so that's everything that I do for showing them work, right? I've got a website they can go through. I've got this PowerPoint and the PowerPoint's usually all that's needed. It has five screens, which goes through, you know, uh, just some screenshots of different types of instructional design training. And then if they want to, when I know more about what they're specifically looking for, I will walk them through some stuff that I've developed where we meet, you know, via Zoom or whatever, or pre-COVID, maybe meet over lunch or whatever, and I'll bring my laptop or iPad and just show them, walk them through some of the stuff that I've developed. Um, But that's all that you really need for a portfolio. Now, I will say as an instructional designer, I believe that you should all have a website and your website should be on the top of your resume. You can take a look at my website um, and you'll see that on my resume, I have my, my personal website. And while I don't actually have any portfolio stuff on my personal website, you know, if you clicked the Captivate link on my website, it'll take you to a bunch of Captivate tutorials I've developed on YouTube. So you know, you can always see that kind of stuff um, from me, but, and I'm not necessarily applying personally for instructional design contracts. That's my company. So my portfolio is over there on the, the company site. Um, And in fact, it's actually hidden so that, you know, we send it the link, the private link with login and password to clients so that they could go in and see that. Um, So, yeah, that's, you know, that's the portfolio. The big disadvantage of the portfolio is that if you don't show good stuff, um, you might not get hired. And if you don't show all the right stuff, you might not get hired. That's why in my PowerPoint, you know, screens that I have, I show an example of game based training. Instructor-led training, mobile-based training, computer-based training, and uh, video-based training, and each of those is like multi. You know, each of those screens, like the computer-based training screen, is like three or four different screenshots just in the the corner of the screen to show you know three or four different kinds of computer-based training. Um, and someone just asked a question. Uh, they created a portfolio website with some personal projects. Um, yeah, it, you know it. Having the portfolio is nice. I mean, you've got to show something. And that's the whole key there, is that you have to have something there. Um, you know, you have to have something to show them. And I think that if you don't have anything professionally done, then that's where I do recommend you create the personal projects or use the projects you created in your classes as part of your grad program or whatever um, will count and, and help. But you have to have something. You have to be able to show me like really quick. Can I see like so let me tell you, like when I'm looking at a resume, you know, when I'm I'm hiring for a contract. Now, I will admit up front that when I am hiring for a project, me and my partner, each are professors at master's program. So a lot of times we're hiring alumni that we already know. So we don't need to. I don't need to see anything because I, I worked with this person for multiple years while they were working on their master's degree, so I'm able to just hire them. But sometimes that's not the case. You know, I can't, I can't find someone from my, my alumni network that is willing to do the project or just no one's available at the time, right? Um, so what do we do? How do we, you know, how do we look through resumes? What do we look for? So first of all, when we do put out an ad that we're, we are looking for contracts. We usually get a solid like 30 to 50 resumes pretty quickly. Um, So I can be pretty picky right away. So one of the first picky things I look for is I do look for, you know, usually I'm not hiring for like a project manager. I'm not hiring for a senior role. I'm hiring for someone to do usually development work because I usually do the design or I I, usually I'm looking for design. I mean, development or like narration and video. So like maybe I'm looking for like those, and those are three specific skill sets, three different types of resumes I'm looking for. Um, But what I'll do is I'll usually start out just looking for a master's in instructional design or instructional technology, you know, that kind of thing, because that will probably eliminate 10 resumes of people that didn't have that. Um, And then if there's a website We'll start looking at like either if they have a portfolio link or just a description of projects like that. I can see that they've done stuff. They don't need to necessarily have the link on their resume. Um, I just need to see that they've done development work before or they've done video or they've done audio. And then what I do is I call them up for the interview. I'll pick like the top, you know, like three to seven of them and do the, the phone Zoom interview. And during that, I, that, at that point, I need to see that they can do something. Um, So that first run of the resumes, I don't necessarily, I'm not looking at 50 portfolios. Like that's not happening. I'm going to narrow it down to like seven, maybe, maybe 10 max. If we're hiring like three people, um, I I might look at 10 resumes and really narrow it down at that point. And then I'm going to go in and look at those portfolios and see what they've done. Um, You know, but it is a, it is a good, uh, good thing to have. I just, you know, I don't like it when people pigeonhole themselves to technology. Um, so no, no, I don't give. So someone asked, do I give an assignment when I'm hiring? No, I don't give any type of assignment. I ask a lot of questions. I mean, I can tell. Seriously, I can tell in five minutes if someone can design and develop. Um, um, the development's the easier part of ID. So I, I can tell right away by saying, what kind of projects have you worked on? What software have you worked with? in their language and what they're saying, you can tell right away if they can develop. And then I'll have them, I'll say, walk me through something you've developed, like a two minute piece or a 30 second piece. Just explain what you were doing when you did this. But I don't i don't give them an assignment. I feel like that's tedious. I hate when I'm at an interview and, and someone asks me to do assignments. I've had to do that before. Um, in fact, pretty much every job I've <laughs> I probably had, I'd say for most of them, I've had to do an assignment and I really, really, really hated it because it's just a lot of extra work. Um, and I feel like I can glean that information from someone without having them do that. So I don't I don't give an assignment. Um, I just want to see that they can do the stuff. I want to see that they can uh, walk the walk and talk the talk, you know? I want to see both of it. I, I've got to talk to them and hear what they say and what they sound like. Cause if I'm having this person interact with my client, they have to be competent and they have to know what they're saying. And you know, one of the things about the portfolio is I don't like when people pigeonhole themselves into certain technology. Like they can only use Captivate and that's it or articulate on Captivate and that's it. I really like to see designers that, um, instructional designers that will look at the problem and try to determine what is the best technology to use for this project? Like, it's okay to come into a project and say, you know, I can do this in Articulate and Captivate, and that's what I know, but I think it's the wrong... I really think they need a database for this project. I really think that they probably need to hire a programmer, and this is more of, like, a customized solution. Um, I like designers that can come up with those kind of solutions for me and tell me, give me that kind of insight. Like, you know, while it may not help them for that project. So I may say, you know, you're right, we need to hire a programmer here and do this, do this a little differently, take this on in a different way. It shows me that that person is very competent in instructional design. They, you know, I find some instructional designers, uh, you know, we're at this field where it's like, you know, people just think that we just do e-learning. That's it, right? We just do e-learning. So they go to a client and say, here's what we're going to develop for you. Without hearing the problem, they're like, look, we're using Articulate or Captivate to develop. We have we have your solution. We haven't even heard your problem yet, but we have your solution. And it doesn't work like that. I never go to a client like that. I go to a client and I hear, I listen to them. I hear their problem. You know, you might only have 30 minutes with a client before you have to give them a proposal, right? I mean, that's the reality of, of ID uh, contract work because you might only have a 30, 30 to 60 minute conversation with someone and then they need a proposal. So you've got to really listen for that problem. But, you know, I try to determine, I, I don't. I don't pigeonhole my company as a articulate and captivate company i'd say yes 90% of what we do is articulate rise and captivate and articulate it, it is and in fact we mostly use articulate and, and right now for the last 6 months it's mostly all been articulate rise but that doesn't necessarily mean that i'm going to always go that direction like if i if i have to develop when i have to develop videos i have a video team that i go to and we build it's videos for whatever training we're developing. I'm working on a project right now and we are, it's a, it's a regular course. We're building a course in a learning management system. We don't need to use any e-learning stuff. It's we're building an actual like online course with a syllabus and a week's, you know, unit structure. And it's, it's, uh, you know, so, so, you know, I always come in with, with different solutions, but that's why it's so important that, Wow, I love the portfolio, those design skills and being able to talk me through, how do you get people to actually learn is so vital to me hiring you. Um, you know, it's one of the things I look at. Like do they understand the concept of like acknowledging learners, getting their minds ready to learn? Do they understand the concept of presentation? Usually everyone focuses on the presentation. like I'm going to develop this, I'm going to develop that. Okay, well, how are you going to get your learners to learn it? I can just, if I'm just presenting content, I can give someone a a Word document and say, read this, right? With pictures and words on it. I can say, read this. That's all. If that's all you're doing, show me the point in your portfolio where they're learning. Where does the learning take place? Where does that, you know, memorization happen? And then not only does the memorization of the content, where does that happen? But then how do you apply it and practice it? Right? Because we have to do all of those. Um, and a lot of times it's it's a simple, simple generic interaction that Articulate uses, and that's, that's the memorization and the learning. And maybe that's okay. I, I'd have to look at the specific piece of training and determine and see what I think about it. Or maybe they can walk me through and just say, yeah, this is what the client wanted. That was all I had to develop with, right? I mean, that happens a lot where you can't do what you want because of client limitations, client budget, client schedule, all that stuff happens. I mean, we have projects like that where we don't necessarily think it's the best way to go about it. But hey, this is what the client gave us to work with. So we're doing, you know, we told them the right, right solution, but they chose something a little differently. So, you know, that happens a lot when you're developing stuff. I mean I'm I'm on projects. I'm on multiple projects right now and I find that that's happening with several of our clients where either their schedules just don't make sense it's it, we don't have enough time to do what we want to do or they just don't have the budget to pay us to do what we want to do. So it's it's you know not as nice as it should be. Not as nice for learning I should say. It always looks nice. Making something look nice is the easy part, right? You know a pretty presentation doesn't sell me. It's it's the learning aspect within the presentation that sells me. I can hire a graphic designer to to develop nice cool stuff. I mean, we we pay services for their images. We don't even develop the images anymore. You know, we we have like five different. Uh, uh, image banks online (laughs) that i pull all of our images for our instruction from um even our short a lot of short videos we we can pull from in a lot of cases now we don't even need to develop it anymore you know we're starting for narrators uh i'm starting to actually use the the Text to voice options in Articulate because they're not bad, and there's some other services out there where the the, the text to voice options are actually decent enough to start to use them. Like AI is doing them robotics and is doing some really cool stuff. It's going to really impact the future of ID and make it a lot easier for us to develop, which is kind of cool. We're not going to have to rely on other people. But I mean, I still I'm still I'm actually in the search for. I just sent an email this morning for a narrator. Uh, I have three narrators going up for a a contract. I just sent all their voices to the client to look for the training we're developing. So, you know, there's obviously still a big need for that and there's big money in narration. But, uh, so if you got a good voice, man, that's, that's the job right there. You got a good voice and you've got contracts, man. It's big money. It's, it's nice. I like that. I wish, I wish I could do that. That's just not in the cards for me. Um, but narration's the easy part of id in my opinion if you're good at it if you have the voice and talent for it <clears throat> because i have all the equipment i just don't have the, the voice for it um video stuff is pretty hard game development stuff gets pretty hard although i have been i'm, I'm working on a project right now for a client and we are developing a game in articulate um so yeah it's kind of surprising the how advanced of a game i can develop in something like articulate or captivate Um, so yeah we're doing that right now and uh yeah so you know portfolio is crucial to to getting getting a job where it falls in the process is going to depend on the company so just some final words here so you know your portfolio some People are going to just look at the portfolio first. It's going to be the main thing they look at. Some people, like me personally, I don't really look at the portfolio until you're narrowed down or even during the interview. I want to see it on your resume that you can develop. Um, So, you know, there's a huge variation of where that needs to fall. So you should have a website. You should have some kind of link on your website for some kind of examples. That doesn't need to be this extensive hundred examples. I mean, even just having one or two examples might be good enough. For me and my company, what we have, we just have screenshots of some of the things that we've developed and talk about it a little bit. And then we, you know, if they want to go further, we meet with them personally and walk them through stuff so that I can explain what's happening. I don't like them just going through my stuff. So they, they just get to see some screenshots, you know, but they can tell, you know, each situation is unique. For example, my situation, while they can't, go through my materials other than seeing these screenshots, they can go look at my captivate tutorial on YouTube and see that I can develop and captivate. So they're, they're not going to have or articulate or whatever it is. So they're not going to necessarily want to even, they don't really question that ever. I, I never have had the portfolio stop me from a project before, you know, in my opinion, the, the hardest part, as soon as my foot's in the door is the sales pitch. And making sure that I can make a client feel comfortable and confident and happy in their decision to hire me, Um, you know, that's what I find the hardest part is is trying to make them feel confident. And it's not like I I say sales like it's, you know, like a some selling some snake oil. (laughs) That's not what I mean. I just mean like you gotta, you know, you make the client feel happy and comfortable with making sure that you can actually do this project with them. Super important stuff. So. You know, that's that's the ID portfolio. It, uh, it doesn't need to be too extensive. If you're in a graduate program, just use your projects, maybe clean them up, maybe just take some screenshots of them if that's all you want to do. If you don't have anything, you're not going to have a choice. You've got to just develop some stuff on your own. Pick some topics that Relate to the types of jobs you might be trying to find like or some safe topics like human resources kind of things, project management, some some safe, safe topics that would be good regardless of where you're applying to that everyone will see value in, um, you know, just create some short tutorials. I would really encourage you to have both mobile and computer based. Um, Pretty much every one of my clients, I don't think I have a client that doesn't, their their learners don't prefer the mobile device for the training. So make sure, you know, you're publishing both ways and showing that it, what it looks like. Because you've got to remember a person hiring you might not understand that Articulate publishes both mobile and PC. Like they don't all know that unless it's another ID hiring you. So show them that kind of stuff. And then be prepared during the interview to show them where the learning occurs in this. It's not just a presentation. This is also something that does learning. But yeah, that's about it. If anybody has any questions, feel free. You can always comment on my chats or send me a message or anything like that. Um, And uh, yeah, have a great day, everyone.